You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. You know, it's like, like a lot of times, like I'll, I'm super like, re- like I can be really emotional and react really quickly and, and say things without thinking. And I don't do that anymore. I, it was really a challenge to learn and to hold back and to like wait uh, and sleep on something because a lot of times I want to fire something off and I wouldn't after 24 hours, I'm like, God, why did I do that? Can you and mentor I think- Ben? For us, please. Well, I know, right? I'm sure that that's happening all the time. <laughs> but with, uh, you know, but Amy, yeah, this whole show is a giant ask and an intervention <laughs> simultaneously. I know. Can you, can you help us with our band and can you get me under control? Hey, welcome back to another episode of 2020 2020-D.com. Subscribe, like, Ring the bell if you're on YouTube. I think that's what people say. Smash something. That annoying phrase that we're supposed Smash to... Smash that like button. Oh, that's so painful. We're sorry. Just do it. So we don't have to ask you to do it, please. Anyways, my name's Corey Peza. <laughs> I'm here with my co-host as always, Siobhan Cronin. Hey, Corey. How's it going? Doing well. Doing well. And Benny Goodman. Hello. No snarky remarks. Whenever he gets introduced, he's always so demure. If, if you want to be snarky, that's a decision. I think he's a little beaten down because in this episode, uh, our guest kind of puts him in his place a few times. <laughs> she's awesome. She is great. So we're, we're back. I pay her to put me in my place all the time because she's so smart and everything she says is right. Like, but I mean, there's a reason why all these bands like Slipknot and Kill Switch and like, I mean, literally my entire mixtape, my entire life. Yeah. They're like Fear Factory, Typo Negative. Like it literally, like everyone I like wrote in the back of my notebook ever, ever. She's responsible for so much of that. And you know what? To have her um, heckle me is, I can only say is tantamount to Weird Al Yankovic doing your song. <laughs> and she's gotten really close with a lot of these people that we talk about, the music that we listen to. I mean, she yes, has very Grammys. personal personal relationships with a lot of these artists and we get to hear a lot of the you know insider information and some just really cool stories stuff that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. Stuff, stuff you don't, yeah stuff you know yeah you get to learn what a punisher is but what yeah stuff you don't really is. think about uh as far as like your favorite band but the, knowing that there's someone there to make sure that you know what's going on with that band and you, zach that, wild needs to get to that tent on time or <laughs> it's just not happening guys exactly and other things like that <laughs> Two zero two zero dash d dot com. Once again, two zero two zero dash d dot com. I just did that two zero two zero dash d dot com. Twenty twenty Siobhan because she was going to say something, but I'm cutting her off. Welcome to the episode, Amy. Part again. two with Amy Chiaretto. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. And if you like what you hear or haven't listened yet, please check it out. And don't forget to subscribe, like, follow. We're on all the platforms. Go to wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcasts and go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Because once again, we have another amazing episode. But first, I'm going to introduce myself and my cohorts as we've deemed each other. <laughs> I'm Siobhan Cronin here today with first this week, Corey Peza. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How you doing, Corey? Hanging in there. Yeah. yeah. Doing our best. We're, we're in the midst of wrapping up an album, so we're all kind of on another planet right now. Um, and also with us today, Benny Goodman. We can't hear that. We, yeah. He's, Benny. He, he's trying to make some weird noise with some piece of gear that's not working. With an etch sketch It's getting awkward. Yeah, some Etch-a-Sketch looking thing. So we'll move on. And anyway, <laughs> once again, part... I, I, it's a stylophone. They've no. been around for 40 fucking years. 
Ben, we can't hear it. And if they're not watching the video, people are just going to think that you're not answering me. I love it. You just put him in his place. Oh, there it is. Okay, good. We got it. All right, there we go. The long-awaited noise. The cool thing about Corey is he can edit that in so there's no timing problems with that. Why do you want to give Corey extra work? (laughs) Do you know that his brain explodes whenever you introduce the concept (laughs) of extra work for Corey? We know he's too busy already. Anyway, without further ado, back for part two, the incredible Amy Chiaretto back with us. So interesting. So cool. We got some amazing stories in part one. So if you haven't listened, please go back and check it out. Follow her on all of her platforms. She's done some amazing work with some incredible artists. Queen of metal, as she's been deemed, PR <laughs> Maven. She loves that <laughs> not, term. Not she by loves herself. that term. I hate Sorry. It. <laughs> I prefer I, I prefer I prefer Corey Taylor Wrangler. That's fine. Yeah. That's that's that has been a true. That's a true. And, a and Joey Jordison stunt double. That's a fact as well. Obviously, many hats to be worn in your life. <laughs> How's your double bass, Amy? Many many masks. Um, terrible. <laughs> it's okay. Can't be perfect. Right? It's very single. <laughs> um, so we learned a ton about you know your your background and how you got into this industry in the last episode and i was hoping maybe in this episode you can you know using your your years of experience and your your knowledge of the industry maybe you can give us some insight what makes you know a band like stand out in terms of of the pr side of things and what 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 do you look for when you're you know what's your dream band to represent and what what kind of attributes do they have well, I mean, it's it's like because everything is so like DNA distinct with bands like um, it's always really helpful when a band can tell their story, tell me their story so that I can translate it to tell it to the media. And so that it that what they want out there can be effectively translated and can be put out into the world and put out into these features and put out in, into how the fans are going to interact with them. Amy, based, yes. I don't mean to be rude, but remember some of us are guitar players. So are <laughs> you saying that if I'm in a band and I, and I want to get a PR person to help me out, I needed to come up with what they call an elevator pitch. Uh, yeah. Yes. An angle or something interesting, you know, because everybody's thinks like, you know, um, if you don't have a press angle, it's fine. You don't have to manufacture one, but it's good to be able to let people know what drives you and what your passion is and you know, what makes you stand out. And it can't be, oh, we're doing something different. Well, everybody says that, like, you know, get creative, like, tell me something about you specifically that I wouldn't know unless you told me, you know, so that's something that I suggest with bands, like just knowing what, and, and, and sometimes they don't know what they want to put out there, but that can take some time and, and the publicist and the manager and the marketing person working together to create that. What do you do in a situation where you get an artist or a group where, you know, let's say they've got great music, great lyric, a great aesthetic or something, but they, they don't have a clear story. How do you get involved in helping craft that narrative or, you know, what sort you of say creative put things- on masks or dress up like kiss? <laughs> Yes, I, I feel always, like that's the answer for a lot of bands. Like, we'll just put a number in our name. We'll just like put on makeup. We'll put on fucking mask. We'll blow stuff up. And it's like, dude, always Kiss did blow it. stuff up. Then Slipknot did it again when Mudvayne and all that sort of stuff. Like, do you ever see that? And then you just go, guys, there's already a mushroom head. Like, cut it out. Uh, no, because I don't like that's their aesthetic. You know, it's not up to me to um, steer them away from something unless I'm like, you guys look like Limp Biscuit in like 1998, and that or like uh, if they look very. Yo, deep. I looked like Limp Biscuit in 1998. What's right? What's right, wrong right. with Wes Borland? No, nothing. But it's in like 1998. 1998. <laughs> it's like if I somebody, did it all for the cookies. I was kind of fat. <laughs> ben, so let her talk. <laughs> it's fine. It's funny. This is at least. Um, Don't it, encourage it, him. It, no, all right, I will, I will. I'll let you yell at him because that's what the funny part is. Um, when you're crafting a story and you're trying to help a band craft the narrative, as you said, it's just, it can be something as simple as sharing a questionnaire or doing something, find, just spending some time with them and asking the right questions because I know what the media is going to ask. So I'll ask those questions in advance just to see what their answers are like to see 
where they want to go with things, how they're able to answer things, how they're able to work on things, how they're able to do things. So it's Can just I tell be- you how distracting your cat midnight is behind you? Just like is with he? More distracting than you? Just cl- lick, licking. Like all you see is this black cat and this little tongue coming up. Is and I'm he sorry, licking? I'm such, I'm such a, oh my God, he, whatever. He was, he was so cute. In a good way, in a cute way. Now, ben, Oh my God, I love cats. So talk. people, no, I, I just can't, I was mesmerized by midnight. <laughs> was he licking? I didn't even see. Aww, he was so, so adorable. Cute. I love Aww. this cat. I'm sorry. He's ready to kill you. He's got one. He's got one eye, and I always tell people, "You should see what happened to the other guy." Sleep with one eye open. Yeah, that's his theme song. Grip in your pillow tight. That's his theme song. Um, but uh, see, now I totally forgot what I was saying. Yeah, yeah see, but that's, that's, what, that's what he does. That's what I do, Amy. I do no, but people. our job is to make something interesting for our listeners, and you totally just midnight's not it. interesting. I midnight object. is absolutely interesting. He is interesting. He's well, like, so how about this? So maybe if you can think of an example of a band or an artist that you started working with where they didn't have something in place, like, could you maybe tell the listeners like how you got involved or what sort of creative things you did to help craft that story? That's kind of, you were kind of getting down that path a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's basically just by sometimes doing a questionnaire or just having conversations with them to find out what they're about. Like years and years and years ago, I, ha- I worked with a band that um, had... They were kind of like typo negative. Uh, a lot of the songs were about just, you know, relationships that didn't work out. And it was very gloomy and gothy and dark. And that's not new. But I remember just sitting in a conference room with the singer and hanging out with him. And he talked to me about how it was the first time I heard that, like, there was those Disney goth nights. He, like, lived in Anaheim. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have the Disney season pass. And we go to... Um, the park and it's like they have the goth nights. I never knew anything about that. It's like where all the people, the goth kids who like Disney come out. And then just talking to him, he told me that his birthday was like February 15th. I'm like, oh, wow, it's the day after Valentine's Day. And your music is all about like the antithesis of Valentine's Day. So let's like play that up somehow. And I just remember like him mentioning that in like a couple interviews and it or an interview and it just, or even mentioning it in a pitch and saying, oh, isn't it interesting that he was, you know, born on the day after Valentine's Day and the music is so about, you know, the opposite of celebrating love and people like just, it was just like an interesting talking point, you know, mm-hmm. it might not mm-hmm. seem like a big deal, but it was still fun to kind of interject that and show a little bit about this artist. That's interesting. Um, how much input in general do you have uh, in a brand of a, of a band or like a look and an image? Cause and I just want to just, just to preface this, I saw a, uh, a, a Facebook ad for a band uh, just scrolling through and it was a music video and it looked like this heavy ass like chick metal band and then I hit unmute and it was the poppiest it was like straight up bubblegum pop and it wasn't ironic it wasn't a joke and I wonder like if anyone around them would be like guys uh, the like crazy black makeup and like you look like a Norwegian death band, you know, death metal band. Like, so if a band comes to you with a story that doesn't match, was do that you have ghost? Any, it was not ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly but how I felt when I saw ghost. They don't, they so don't have like a female verbatim. singer and they don't sound like bubblegum pop. <laughs> ghost but sounds yeah. like bubblegum pop. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. The, the question was, was if, if, if there is a mismatch, like how much, how much input do you have, you know, in that, in terms of that? Um, it dep- like if I if a band's putting on an image that is like completely opposite of what they sound like or it doesn't you know feel like it's authentic or it doesn't really represent what they think it does or if there's like a perception thing where it's like like you know I always tell them what like big press to them is or what they think is realistic press to them it could be totally not what I know realistic press is so it's always good to like have that conversation to find out what their expectations and what what they think aesthetically because they could be putting something out there that I'm like, well, that's not what kids today think that kind of music is like or that style or that, um, you know, that cultural kind of shift. But um, so should I throw away my UFO pants? Uh, yes. And your uh, yeah, yeah, your parachute pants, too. <laughs> but <laughs> your Cavaricis. That's fucked up. Those things cost so much. I would I had like a lifetime supply of Gadzooks. 
Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, you look like and hot topic, obviously. Like you know, like all with the flames and dice on everything. It's the it was awesome. It looks like I your thought style. That that was a, and then velvet. Yeah, man, like velvet everything. You have velvet Amazing. pants on right now that we can't see. I'm not wearing pants. Oh, that, that's not surprised either. <laughs> I, I only have my Iron Maiden shirt on. That's all I need, Bruce. Yep, yeah, that's, that's and Eddie. Yep, that's I, I agree. And your dog tag thing. I think it looks like a dog tag. Oh yeah, this is like uh, my Dimebag Daryl homage, um, total lame, you know, but technically back to the Judas Priest thing, but you know, you're gonna, you gotta have like the mulery, the mulery, so when you show up, like you see all the guys, cause you know this, when you go backstage, <laughs> especially at like the rock concerts, like not as much as metal, but maybe it's becoming metal now and I'm just not into it. Uh, they all wearing John Varvatos <laughs> and they all peacock backstage and whoever has the longer scarf, like who shows up, you know what I mean? With like <laughs> the scarves, nicer stuff. And, 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 thing? And, and, I think that's well, generally the, the, the old and school then Dave, rock stars. And, and, then, and then all the uh, uh, the the jewelry, the mulery. Cause you know, like Joe, Pe we were talking to Paul Geary who manages Joe <laughs> yeah. Perry. He's like, yeah, he wakes up with like, you know, all the rings yeah. on and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but like, it's kind of like a way of letting people know that this is the real deal. Like I sleep in this shit. You know what I mean? So. It's not an act. It's not an act. I'm not wearing pants, but always maiden. Right, okay. I, I, I'd like to see you at a Slipknot show not wearing pants. <laughs> I'm always backstage, man. I know. Fuck, fuck being out in gen pop. I feel you. I'm the same way. Oh <laughs> Only I'm God. working. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant until Star, until star Set Girl over here told me. I'm sorry. That's why we're heckling her. You have a it. special talent for redirecting interesting conversation into uninteresting conversation. <laughs> Don't you know that that's my job? You have to be like the Carl Reiner to my Mel Brooks. You got to reel it back in and make my stupidity wow, seem like it's that funny. That's a burn right there. I'm, I, I'm mostly kidding. That's part of and the And by the way, I, was waiting. I saw you mostly. earlier. Yeah, like mostly they come out at night. Mostly, um, you, I, you, I saw fucks coming out of you earlier because I knew I was. But you were talking you over them, so you didn't even I've get waited, to hear. I've it. waited <laughs> ten episodes of being polite for you to get angry enough to swear at me. I'm again. just kidding. He he tries to push my buttons. So anyway, I I digress. <laughs> oh my god, I want to I want to see that happen, and then I want to see you go off on him and start spewing the word. <laughs> she does, and it's, it's so it's good. It's happened. It'll probably happen in this episode. Usually, it we seems get, to be like, trending that and, way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god all right what can i do to help facilitate that <laughs> everyone will live vicariously through siavon's anger oh my gosh i mean what our <laughs> elevator pitch on so amy maybe you can help us we're in a band called lost symphony we, we we do this symphonic metal thing could you tell us how to make this the completely unmarketable <laughs> band marketable Just because like let me tell you let, tell me let, let me tell you how unmarketable this is it's uh we have no vocals <laughs> We play like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but there is no Jesus. There's no Jesus involved. So like, there's all your crowd. And, uh, <laughs> and we just get guitar players that like, I know because I'm a nerd, but then I go and I ask my fiance, like, do you know who Marty Friedman is? She's like, Marty who? And I'm like, how dare you? How dare you dis disrespect Marty Friedman? But like, <laughs> we're in this crazy metal band, but like, we've tried so hard. And I feel like, we haven't tried that hard with this and we're already doing better. Should we just stop? <laughs> no, I think they should just fire you. And then everything will be uphill. Everything on the Trent Reznor of this band. Okay. Maybe you should be more mysterious. I think that's maybe that's where we can go. <laughs> or maybe you should just not piss off Siobhan. <laughs> Ooh, that's good, Amy. I'm, I'm Amy is a good pacifier. I can tell. I can tell like when all the guys, it's like Joey doesn't want to come out because, you know, fucking Corey's been throwing shit at him all morning. Like you're the one that goes backstage and you're like, hey man, I got cookies. All right. <laughs> I usually do have cookies. Well, well, that's why they come out. Like, let's be real. Jesse Leach, I'm sure like responds to cookies. He does. Right? He, he does. does. I Who don't even it? know the guy, but I'm sure he does. Who doesn't respond to cookies? What kind exactly. of inhuman crazy person? Unless you're gluten intolerant, which I mean, I guess that happens. Or, you know, you can't eat sugar. <laughs> I don't want to live in that world, but I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So attempting to bring this back to some semblance of uh, enter entertaining content. Reel it uh, in, reel least, it in. At least uh, somewhat interesting content because we have Edu someone, educational. someone with your wealth of knowledge. So I think just for selfishly, uh, at least Siobhan and I probably want to learn things. Um, <laughs> but what's something that you see... Uh, bands that aren't working with you or maybe would love to someday be at the level to work with you, but they're not quite there. What do you see them doing wrong? I wouldn't say doing something wrong. It's just for a friend. <laughs> it just might be that the band's not ready for PR yet, or 
it could be something as simple as we're uh, our roster is is booked or we're working with um you know we try to keep the amount of like developing projects that we're handling in a certain period uh, at a certain level because mm-hmm. it it requires a lot of manpower and and investment of time and legwork to educate the media about a new band so it it can require a lot of time and a lot of developing and up and coming bands might not have the budget that goes with the time that needs to be spent on it um or it could be something it's not so much it's just that it might be something that's just not ready yet for pr it might need more development it might need a little more social media growth it might need a little bit more you know, and right now we're paused on this, but live growth or a little bit more of a local um, support from local media, because it's just like you don't want to jump in too soon when you don't really have anything to tell yet. So what so, does the band have to do to get to the level uh, that, that, that like I, how, how would they know when they need to make that jump from the, doing their own PR essentially to hiring a professional and not specifically <laughs> your company, like, but just sure. in general? Yeah, I think you have to be at a certain level or, or at least, um, you know, professionally, if you have uh, if you have one song, you know, that's not enough to tell a story. If you've never done a tour, that's not enough to tell a story yet. If you don't have, uh, you know, at least an album or an EP or other things to talk about, you just might not be ready. Um, and there's a limited amount of outlets out there that will talk to an artist that's at the ground level because they want to be the first. They really like being the first person to get behind a band and they really want to um, support and, and, and get behind something first. And that's a lot of outlets pride themselves on that. And they're amazing. But a lot of other ones, you know, will not take the chance first. They need to see more development. So I always say there's just got to be a couple of things going on. Can't be just one song. You know, you got to work on your show. You got to work on having something to talk about. Um, And that takes a little bit of time. And a lot of bands don't, don't like we were talking earlier, don't think it's an overnight success and it's not, it just has to be, you know, it's not, you just like, it's almost like you can't really bottle it or say what it is. You just mm-hmm. know it when you see it. And I, a lot of bands that are great reach out to me and I think are awesome. And, 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 but it's just like, we're not, some of them are just not ready yet at the level of PR that we do. And we're, there's some PR companies <clears throat> that work specifically with developing bands and there's some that don't and some of some that do a mix of both so it might be sometimes hey get your get your wheels on the track with a developing pr firm at first sure and i think that's that's helpful just in in the sense that i'm sure most people listening or watching this aren't in super successful bands but maybe they're aspiring to that I don't mean to interject, but one sure, of the things yes we've been you at, do. But, but, well, I, I mean, I mean yes to interject you. I actually didn't interrupt her, which is like already step leagues ahead. I of know. Of did I, I saw you know. were reaching for the camera. I was I was, it was about to happen. <laughs> but but we've we've asked a few people. We, we've we've asked a few people this, especially people in like in PR and bands and all that. <clears throat> what do you want to tell all the bands to stop doing? Just stop it. Just stop doing this bands, the things that you see online. Cause I'm sure you get approached with all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, you know, go to get all kinds of insanity shows up in your email box and you got to look through all these bands. What uh, you see their Instagram, see their TikToks, whatever the heck you have to do now in the modern day and age that I'm just too antiquated to understand. What should they just stop doing? In terms of just generally what they put out there? or Go for it. Go for the gold. Right (laughs) Um, for the jugular. Tell them. Tell them how it is. The figurative dude that you know you're talking about. Oh, my God. Just don't be a a punisher. That's what I always say. Like like I was just saying, somebody emailed me and uh, after hours and then emailed me 10 minutes later saying, did you get this? Because you didn't respond yet. Like that's being a punisher. Like it's after hours, like have a little bit of understanding that people have lives and they're doing other things. And that like, it doesn't always work on your clock as much as you want it to. It it doesn't. Can you give, I just, just quickly, because I know that that this is a term that I've learned in the past few years. And I think that it's super (laughs) applicable in throughout life, but it's time. It tends to be, more of the an industry music industry term, but can you can you give the definition of a punisher for our listeners? Oh my god, it's my favorite word in the whole wide world, and I use it every day. Uh, a punisher is like 
somebody who is like, like, uh, you know, asks a question and doesn't even wait five seconds for the reply before asking again. <laughs> you know, it's like somebody who, like, you say, hey, uh, are we pushing? <laughs> right there. <laughs> He's not even watched, paying attention. All I'm listening, I just got a message from Nuno Betancourt, and he's my man crush. So I don't mean to, Ooh. and I'm ADD, so I can listen to you while doing that. But like, I can't what did not I just respond say? to Nuno. What did I, I, just... I don't remember what I was even saying to oh, Nuno, because okay. now I've been okay. derailed. All right, so anyway. So if you're looking for the, dic the dictionary definition of what she's talking about. Yeah. What? A it's fine, just go I don't even know where I am. Right there. Um, but no, a Punisher is just somebody who doesn't. Um... Well, I remember that part. I thought you meant something after that. I remember the Punisher. Well, let her finish the definition of Punisher to see how many more categories you fall into. I know. It's, like, just you. I'm just going to. That's a Punisher right there. <laughs> no, a Punisher is just somebody who just like punishes it's like give me a second you know like don't send me like who sends you an email and then you haven't even had a chance to open it much less reply and they've already sent you another email asking if you got their email that's punishing like just give people a minute like i could see if this was like i had the covid vaccine and you're waiting for it hit me up five minutes later but if you're asking for to set up an interview we can do that during business hours you yeah. know, it's like, especially in this whole pandemic thing where people are stuck in the house, it's like people think like that you have no need for like just me time. And mm -hmm. you totally do. Because when you're working 20 hour days, sometimes you just need some time to yourself and answering an email Preach. something totally. yeah. tomorrow is totally fine. Siobhan, uh, can you give us any uh, any good Punisher stories from your from your experience? Oh, my gosh. Like, for I me, mean, aside from <laughs> I'm ben, trying to. I mean, aside from twice Amy, a week on is, every every, I, I, I every Sunday her, and Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, I, I, I know, and all the hours in between of like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you don't, is this you, in the calendar? Did you mind. answer that email? I'm like, Help. well, that's the problem is you don't read my mind. And and, and the thing is that you're just better than that. sounds like that. a good thing. <laughs> no. Well, the fact is, okay, I'll give you the example. So we did a cover of Skid Row um, where we did 18 in Life. And we went right into uh, Youth Gone Wild for this metal injection thing. Uh, we did a slay at home, raised some money for animals. We raised some money for some great causes and all that sort of stuff while playing metal. And uh, I wanted to do 18 in life. And of course, Siobhan didn't know the song. So I was like, yeah, we'll do the beginning part of it. And like, I expected she'd go through like the first verse and the chorus. And that just makes sense mm -hmm. because you have to stab. You can't do 18 in life and not do the chorus. People are going to be pissed. Well, she sends me back this thing that doesn't sound like 18 in life to me at all. And I'm like upset about it. And then I just told her what I was thinking. And then the next thing it came back, I was like, oh my God, why didn't you just make this the first time? Because it was perfect. It was 90 layers of strings. Absolutely perfect. Exactly what I heard. All right, in my let head. me tell you the translation of that story because that's the Ben rendition, <laughs> as she said, spin. So that's the Ben rendition. Besides every story, Nuno so, Ben Court will tell you that. I know that's all lies. <laughs> it's not 100% lies. However, the true story is that Ben said, hey, I'm going to hand this over to you to take accountability to do this. You're going to work with this other guitar player, Shani, who played on it. He said, you tell her what to do. You choose what we're going to do. So I decided she was going to play the hook of the song and I was going to do everything else. So I sent him my string parts that did not have the hook because I was going to have her record that. He said, the hook isn't in there. Nobody's. <laughs> this is like a lights up thing. You have to have the hook in there or else no one's going to know. Why didn't you read my mind? This is all wrong. No, it has to be completely reworked. I'm like, Ben, you told me that I could decide who was going to do what. <laughs> Meanwhile, the translation was I had no free will ever from the beginning. You knew what you wanted no, to have and you didn't tell in, me. In, uh, in, a, in a previous like episode, clandestine. previous episode, we call him a, a posthumous micromanager. He, he goes back and micromanages after it's done. Micromanages <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I like rewrite history for my own brain to confabulate. Because yeah. people oh, don't know the word confabulate. I say a lot of weird words. But confabulating is when you make up a lie in your own brain. And then your brain confabulates all the things it needs to to make that you lie. Can't you can't use confabulate in the definition of confabulate. <laughs> That's very true. I've been confabulating all night. And my fiance walked in. It was kind of awkward. Uh, confabulator. Okay. No, but there, there are punishers in the music industry on all fronts. I mean, Corey asked an example. I, I, they're just, yeah, I mean, so many. I can't even, in the orchestra world, in the rock world, all over the oh, place. Yeah, yes. it's just like. Who is it in the orchestra world? Let, enlighten us, Siobhan. 
oh, I don't know, conductors, personnel managers, <laughs> other violinists, conductor? your stand partner. Uh, just anyone, anyone that wants to set you up for failure. So they're <laughs> Not, like the cinematographers trying to be directors of the classical world? No, it's just, I think maybe for me, punishers are like the micromanagers. So maybe I'm just really putting the one definition on it. It's mm-hmm. people that won't let you do, just just trust you to do your own job and to handle it how you're going to handle it. Be like, hey, I handed this to you because you're a professional and allow you to do it without having to jump in and say, no, but do it this way. Oh, but wait, where is it now? You know? The, uh, the definition I've heard a lot of, and it's from, from a lot of touring uh, musicians, and maybe, I bet Brock probably gets this more so than you, but it's it's the it can be the fans or crew members that just oh, come yeah, up to you, sure. and they just, just just get right in your face, and they talk to you like they like they know you, and like they're just, they're these bros. Halitosis. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and they just don't take the, the social cue that it's like, all right, the, it was nice to meet you, like, I'm gonna move on with my day, and it's like, yeah, but I saw you like eight times and and uh, i got your pick let me dig it out can you sign my pick you know <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, it's very it's just that like not reading the room or like just at like just not even giving you the room to breathe it's just like don't punish me over it like punish, <laughs> it's like punishing is like getting beaten over the head about something like yeah like I said, the quintessential is the people that send you an email when you haven't even had a chance to read the first, send you an email. You're real hung then, up on this email thing. Yeah, yeah, but they were email you five minutes later and say, did you get my email? Yeah. Like, that's a punisher. Like, that's like not giving you room to like. Listen, Amy, I'm sharing my heart with you and the mm-hmm. fact that you're not looking at it and being reactive right away because it's like, He's, I need you at this moment in time. I'm going to send you exactly. an email. It's all your fault. Exactly. This is all your fault. And if you can't understand that I'm projecting at you and that you need to be here for me, it's it's your fault still. Uh, yes, that's that, that's exactly what I was hoping to do. So I'm being. That's why I'm going to email you again and make sure you read my email. Oh my god! Re- Hold on, I'm doing text, it right now. Text me to make sure that I read your email. Oh, oh. don't say that. <laughs> no. I have never gotten more texts between a question I was asked <laughs> in the time I had to answer that original question than with the, this guy over here. I like I, by the time I answer the first question, we're we're thirty pages into some other conversation. <laughs> I, just, I, I usually just give up. I think we figured out who the Punisher is in this conversation, in this little quadrant here. It's fair. You are the professional, so I will my, take your advice. No, my favorite, my favorite Ben thing is to be like, "Hey, why isn't this recorded yet?" And then, like, meanwhile, every day he'll call me three separate times for forty-five minutes each, and by the end of it, I'm like, "Ben, you're the reason I have not been able to record." <laughs> exactly, this. that's punishment right there as well. I, you uh, know, I'm just teasing right. you. I love our conversation. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't blame you because <laughs> Scott, who's probably listening to this, because you know they always say like, don't talk off topic about people that they don't know on the show. But Scott, our benefactor, who's behind Lost Symphony, uh, he, he does the same goddamn thing to me. So then I just do it to you guys. And, it's a cycle and, of and abuse. It just rolls downhill because yeah. I have to pass the buck. It can't just be me. It has to be a <laughs> little bit his fault too. And he'll probably be like, "Fair, it is a little bit my fault." Oh my gosh! All right, so not not to go off on this, but I. Love Love Scott because he's the best we person down the Scott. rabbit hole. Literally but, my favorite. Yeah, cheers to Scott. Thank we you for Scott's, putting up with us. Scott to blame for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably we have true, Scott though, to blame Amy. for enabling this, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Amy, let me ask you a question. Speaking of things sure. that people do or don't do wrong, do have you seen um, bands or anyone do anything on the PR front that has caused damage that is irreversible, or do you think that you can kind of bounce back from it? Like, have you seen someone take a bad PR strategy? For a period of time and been able to turn ar- around or are there some things that you just can't undo no i think for the most part stuff is un is is undoable stuff can can be fixed but it can take time and it can take strategy and it can take an apology trail but i always say How like, the guy from trapped does he have any chance I mean, but can you, you can't really tell if that guy's like trolling everybody. Like, is somebody really like, that ignorant? Like, like, or maybe is... he comes back and he's like fucking Stephen Hawking and he all of a sudden gives like a hundred million dollars to charity. And it's <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, it could be like, remember when Joaquin Phoenix was like, oh, yeah. act, like on that movie and he was <laughs> yeah. going on like the, was it the Letterman show or something? And he was acting like a total douchebag. And uh, it turned out like. I think most people could see through it that it was an act, but this guy with trapped, it's like, you know, the idiocy of some of the things that he says, you're like, he's really playing people. He's just trying to like, you know, but, or is he, I, I can't I mean, tell. Their, their you know, drummer just quit the band. Okay. So <laughs> say, maybe say, saying like, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. So yeah. Like <laughs> no, oh, the guitar player from iced earth. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, it's like stuff like that where you're just like, yeah, stuff like that. Now you know. Um, we are having Doc Coyle. Uh, um, um, we're, we're having we're having Doc on. Sorry, total idea. We're having Doc on, but the fucking oh, Bad Wolves because he, they're going through that shit right now. Like he, he has a show called The X Men. Yep. And uh, uh, the X Man, excuse me, Doc is the X Man, <clears throat> and he talks about you know being X, you know, God forbid, and now like dealing with the same shit because some guy goes and spouts out of the mouth and you have to say, I can't stand behind this. I can't stand, I love making music, but I can't stand behind, this is ridiculous. How do you feel about that when you're faced with those situations? It happens and you have to kind of, you know, you, I'd like to believe that the guys and girls that I work with are good people. And in any situation in life, you can have really good people who do shitty things and really shitty people can do good things. But I'd like to believe that not every single dude in a band, you know, is doing all these horrible things. You know, we all see things that happen. And, you know, I just hope I'd like to believe that I work with good human beings and people fuck up and people make mistakes. And I always say, be careful what you put out there. Be careful what you put on the Internet because you can delete a tweet, but somebody's already screenshotted it before you had a chance to delete it. So let's not use your social media to put too much out there. Um you know, it's like, like a lot of times, like I'll, I'm super like, re- like I can be really emotional and react really quickly and, and say things without thinking. And I don't do that anymore. I, it was really a challenge to learn and to hold back and to like wait uh, and sleep on something because a lot of times I want to fire something off and I wouldn't after 24 hours, I'm like, God, why did I do that? Can you and mentor I think- Ben? for us please i know right i'm sure that that's happening all the time <laughs> but with uh you know but yeah this whole show is a giant ask and an intervention <laughs> simultaneously i know can you, can you help us with our band and can you get me under control <laughs> um getting you under control i feel like that is probably Cookies. a i already told you i already fed it to effort. you it's a futile effort <laughs> i'm gonna leave it to those guys to try to deal with you <laughs> but um Help. not everything yeah i know I, I i'm sorry i'm like uh foisting that on you oh it's all right <laughs> but like some things most things are fixable like if you do it carefully and properly and somebody's genuinely remorseful and 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 contrite about things but if they're not then you know then then there's a whole other issue there that that's not fixable because that's not a good person but yeah you know a lot of dudes in bands are you know and and people in bands like you know, they have a spotlight on them. So I think sometimes things can get magnified. You know, it's my job to, you know, help them navigate when fuck ups happen. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, it's not what easy. Point, what point do you say, um, you know, this is just a fuck up or maybe there's someone like, cause like I'm now I'm reading this shit about Marilyn Manson. And like, I know he's a fucking weird guy and I've met him a few times and he seems like an all right dude and smart and whatever. But like, now you're hearing all this crazy shit. At what point do you say like, okay, I need to distance myself from this person because maybe they are a fucking weirdo that's, or a creep. I feel like that's just, it, it, that depends on the person who's working with them. You know, I've had artists that I work with have accusations made against them. And if it's somebody that I know well, and I know they're a good person, maybe they fucked up. Maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they did something creepy, but not criminal. You know, there's a line there, you know, and I always say like dudes and bands, you know, one of the perks is your fans, you know, female fans, you know, they're, they're, they're enamored by you there. They love the creativity and they, and, and, you know, there's that, you know, the, 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 it's just the psychology of being a rock star or whatever. And that shouldn't give anybody any kind of license to take advantage of people. And a lot of times, like, I feel like you can look back and say, oh, my God, what was I thinking back then? You know, and it just, you know, if, if something criminal happens, that's when I you can't if you if you know it or you've seen it or there's proof of it. That's when I would feel like I, I can't you can't back somebody that did something criminally and morally wrong. But there are things if maybe somebody fucked up and they had a girlfriend or maybe somebody was, you know, uh, impressionable or um you know, maybe a little, uh, you know, not 18 yet. Okay. If you, you know, if you were talking and if it escalated to something then then it's problematic, but you just have to look at and, and be just try to hope that the people that 
you are working with are really good people. But like I said, the difference to me is like when it crosses the line from creepy into criminal, that's when I'm like, really like, okay. Cause people do, you know, it's not my job to judge what they do, you know, and there's really hard to prove it a lot of times. So it's really a very, very slippery slope and a fine line. You know, I, I choose to, um, I'd like to believe that most of the people I work with are really good people. Yeah. But well, let's that, say maybe maybe cha- not to change gears from um, that, but let's say, you, you know, if, if you haven't even done anything wrong um, or potentially wrong, uh, people now, especially with social media, like you said, have so much more control over their own visibility, right? So, like, yeah. for example, you know, we're in Lost Symphony and we can use Instagram, Facebook to share a lot. On the flip side, I'm in Starset and the, the, the social media presence is very mysterious. It's there, but it's not showcasing the band members. It's like all a very curated crafted yeah, she's image. Saying, Justin's going to be really angry if we utilize the fact that she's a superstar. No, 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 no. But I'm saying there's obviously a strategy there and that strategy can differ greatly between different types of bands. So how do you know, you know, what is the best approach to use with say social media or how you can control your own visibility? Like, you know, what, what advice would you give to people? Is it is it better to throw your stuff out there and be as visible as possible? Is it better to have a really crafted, curated message? Like, is there one answer or is it depend it i think it depends on the band a band like star set has a very specific narrative and there's there's a separation and a fourth wall there that they don't want to break which makes sense it's what you know what they do but and there's also a little bit of a veil of mystery there which can be lifted if the opportunity makes sense Uh, mati connor who i worked with for many years at roadrunner he signed all the bands like slipknot typo negative sepultura trivium fear factory he used to say to me like now no big deal yeah, yeah. He's just signed a couple of little metal bands. He used to say to me, like, when he was, you know, uh, growing up and a big music fan, uh, when, when he wanted to, like, find out what, you know, maybe Steven Tyler was doing backstage before he took this, before he, you know, performed a show at Madison Square Garden. The only way that he could find that out was by picking up an, uh, an issue of Cream magazine and reading it because the interviewer got that access was backstage beforehand. And it was after the fact, but still the only way you were going to learn what was going on back there was by reading that article. <clears throat> Nowadays, um, you probably know what your favorite band member ate for lunch because they Instagrammed the photo yeah. of it. I totally so, saw Almost Famous. I get, I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you have to have, there has to be a little bit of a line drawn. I think maintaining mystique is important because if you put it all out there, like it's like what you, you don't always, you know, know your favorite bands and it's almost Wait, like you don't want to know. I everything. have to ask you an important question because yeah. you mentioned a band that I have to ask because <laughs> they put it all out there. What do you think about Peter Steele showing his schnutz in Playgirl? Well, that was um, an editorial spread. I mean, that was a, a photo shoot. So, you know, that wasn't... And you, um, and you kept you said a little bands, but I feel like he was like 6'7", and Dino Cazares from Fear Factory is a pretty big dude. And like, is. I mean, Ray, even Raymond was big in that band. Like, they're big. Like Yes. So, you know, that wasn't an accurate description. Okay, I'm sorry. Big, big. <laughs> and Peter Peter Steele did let it all. He put it all. He out did. There. He did. And they're typo. They're the most is that, is that metal fra- underground. What is it framed back there somewhere? <laughs> that photo. Oh, yeah, it, behind listen, that YouTube photo somewhere. I, I would. You know what? It's now I want to. I, I love. I, first off, I collect rock memorabilia because I'm a total nerd and been collecting it all my life. But I would now want to go online and Google if there's like a signed Peter Steele playgirl and i would totally mat that and put it in like an 11 by 17 on my wall i'm sure you would why not <laughs> good luck finding space that's metal making everyone look at peter Steele's dick that's wicked metal thing it is do. pretty it is pretty it's wicked, wicked metal. metal wicked metal as you're listening i put on my girlfriend's girlfriend just on repeat oh all right gosh. uh so uh, kind of going back to a band like star set uh that has that very deep story and like deep narrative compared to like a book. um yes the, compared to like uh you know this this i can't i can't think of it one off the top of my head, but, but bands that, that are more like the <clears throat> we're the party band you know like a very almost superficial image is there um any uh benefits or or attributes about either one of those that you prefer uh, you know that that are you know a simpler um narrative versus a deeper one well, no, like, it's just you have to treat them very differently. Like, the simple narrative is sometimes it's, um, you know, that's good enough. Or sometimes you have to. Um, like An- Andrew WK. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just there to party. No. Yeah, but all it, the time. But I thought not, that was Kiss's thing, though. Wasn't that Kiss? No, no, like, so, I want to party. Ben, stop. Ben, Amy, ben please, irrelevant. Please continue. No. <laughs> I'm ready for the F word to start getting dropped. Um, no, it's like something like uh, that's simple. You might have to still. Oh my God, look at this. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting poked. Um, for something that's simple, <laughs> now I think he's like, now he's resorting to sign language. Um, with something that's really simple, it, 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 that that can be effective because it's introductory. But you can also dig a little deeper and, and find out what makes this band special um, and have the media pull out what makes it special. But when it's something like that's a really complicated or involved or specific narrative, that can be harder but rewarding because you have to make sure you're going to all the right places. It's not like you can, you know, just fire stuff off. You so, have what, to- so what is special about Starset? Well, I think that their whole, you know, the that there's a lot of different elements to it. You know, it's, um, you know, all, like when you go to see them live, when you have the, this, the characters on the screen, you know, the fans are really invested. There's a lot of specific um, promo that involves the fans when they had the toolkits and the 3D printing of the logo. That's all stuff that's like not that's separate from the music itself. And, you know it's the intersection of you know science and and music but how and that's what people the story that that we try to talk like get people interested in which and it usually works because it's just different it's not it's like okay what do i let me get to know this guy like let me let you know the like what you know what is making this tick and then sometimes so, we, so we would you say we that dustin it. is like the intersection between genius and savant um, I don't know. Because he's like, he started like a cult. Because when I went to the show, remember how they used to have the behind the music on Ozzy? And the guy mm-hmm. would be like, shoot, shoot, shoot. I went to the concert and they all had the devil horns up. <laughs> I really feel that way about about when I went to go see Starset. I was like, oh my God. These people are like totally mesmerized. Like If they're like, follow us off the hill, Lemmings. You, they would all literally follow... All of them off, and then Dustin would just go. I can fly in my jetpack. But a, a lot of that is, I think, because of the mystery and the fact yeah. that not no one is fully accessible. You know, so but it's amazing inkling... to me. I mean that in a, as a compliment. I'm really not even. Insulting no, no, no. Them. I know. It's I, amazing I to me. I could not believe how much people were emotionally mm-hmm. invested. Other than seeing Iron Maiden, Metallica, like there were. N- I've never seen so many shirts from the same band at the show, and people so intent i had my phone up and i wasn't looking at it and someone actually got mad at me for not witnessing star set and i'm like i know these people he's like i know these people and they were so serious it's amazing i I could not believe what you guys have crafted market wise so it was very interesting to hear her say that but like i was amazed i had no idea it's basically like what is that people want to get to know and they can't so that makes you want it more so and then uh I'm curious. So when, when did you start working with Starset? Was it like were they had they already established the the story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So mm-hmm. so when they came to you, you know what what was that meeting like? Was it and obviously you don't have to give away anything super specific, but like of like, course, like how, how was that helmets? conversation and how did how how no. do they communicate <laughs> to you of how they they want to be perceived? We it was just um, well I worked with the label and you know their marketing person was really very good at translating um, to me what the band was about and what the band was interested in and we had would have a couple calls and, and just hearing them talk about the overarching and all these different elements just got you thinking about how you could creatively tell this story without giving too much away. So I know that's like a kind of like a abstract answer, but that's basically, it was just really somebody at the label who was a marketing person is just really good at translating. Well, I think it's ballsy to have people as dreamy as Brock and Ron wearing (laughs) fucking helmets. No no love for Adam. No, they're (laughs) they're beautiful. Adam's beautiful too. But like Ron and and, and Brock are just a different level of dreamy. Like Adam knows, like we're, we're, we're both rockers. Like, but those guys, like their haircuts alone. And then like, why would you have such, why would you have such beautiful people in your band, but then disguise their face? Well, it's a mystique, and each one of them has their own set of super fans of people that will, like, only be on their side of the stage because, like, they have to see. And it's, like, that moment of, like, they see their face for a second, you know? And that's it's that, like, that fire, you know? if Corey Taylor takes off his mask in the middle of a Slipknot show? 
I, I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> it's the, the mystique is, yeah, it's what drives you know it. But band, it's interesting. Right? Have you heard them, Slipknot? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've seen them like at, at festivals and. Oh, I don't know cool. if I've been to just one of their shows, but I've I've seen them play at festivals. That, that we would were have been on. adorable had you done that, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually before before we wrap up, we got we got about fifteen minutes left. Um, you also work with All the Remains, correct? Mm-hmm. So uh, we're Ben Ben and I are good friends. I've known Jason for years, uh, and and Ben we we've hung out with those guys multiple times. And Ollie was a huge part of Lost Symphony. Uh, he. He's on all three of our records, and uh, he, you know, we spent a lot of time with him. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about how you how you got you know started working with those guys and, and your experience? Yeah, um, that was another one when I started working with Fearless. Um, you know, it made sense because I I've known Phil for a long time. I've known the band for a long time, and um, it just made sense because it's the kind of you know a lot of like the bands that I work with and bands that tour with all that remains. So it, it, I, I've just, like I said, I've known them forever and it was just a right fit. You know, Phil is an interesting guy. He's got a lot of opinions and people kind of misunderstand him quite a bit. And I thought it would, I knew it would be like a challenge just to get people to kind of turn it around a little bit on him. And I think he's a misunderstood guy and he's had a lot of success you know, w- with the band, a lot of radio success. And there that comes with just having good songs too. And he's been around a really long time from his days with Shadows Fall. And, um, you know, the team that was around him is all people I know and like too. And I've known, like I said, I've known him forever. So mm. it just was a natural fit. So with, with Phil, because I, we all know he's very outspoken and, yeah. and he's he's hilarious. Phil has opinions. Wait, yeah. I went I, when <laughs> but, I first uh, listened to Doc's show. I was like three and a half hours with Phil. I was like, this these guys, and they were interesting for the whole fucking time. So man, do you sep- do you separate him, do you separate Phil from the band at all when you're thinking PR or or is it like you know because of it, he's not necessarily speaking for all the remains yeah you kind of have to because you're like okay here's somebody who gets a lot of press for the things that he says that are separate from all that remains so it's kind of impossible to try to separate Do you also get a little giddy because all press is good press to a certain extent sometimes for the most part it is because it means people are talking about you and even when there's like I remember years ago, Rolling Stone did this piece about how rock radio sucked and all these bands like Five Figure Death Punch and, and Disturbed. It's all, you know, lowest common denominator. And it, it's you're always going to find like one media outlet. It could be like Stereo Gum, who doesn't cover that type of stuff, takes the opposite opinion and says, whoa, maybe here's why this isn't as bad as people think it is. So it's just can be the matter of like, how do you feel about St. Anger? Um, I think that I feel a way a lot of people feel about the drumming. <laughs> this is very okay. That's enough. That's yeah. all I need. As long as it's like never again, never yeah. again. Yeah, it's not my favorite Metallica record. I don't think it's anybody's favorite Metallica. It's very polarizing, you know. But I work with a, personally, like I say, we I used to say we if you polarize, we specialize. Like a lot of our artists were really polarizing. You know, Franz or Matilla was. Um, very very polarizing in the beginning we started working with with him because he just said outrageous and larger than life things and it started out by him getting really bad press and small outlets and we just tried to turn the story around and get one person in a what did he say a bit he would he was you know it was just um yeah he was just all about the party about that life party lifestyle you know just sex drugs feeling good and not caring what anybody thinks and people were missing that he was basically saying don't give a fuck what people think just do what makes you happy and just don't hurt anybody which is really a universal message that everybody's pumping right now so but it came out i think it was the 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 content was missed because the form that in which it was delivered you know the medium is the message they say so right uh but you have to like Sometimes you just have to find a way to turn that stuff around and find one believer. And once you do, they can take off from there press wise. If that makes cool. sense. Wow. Turn around <laughs> every now and then. Turn around. So um, with, with your company now, uh, are, what's, what's next for you? Are, are you just 
maintaining with with the roster you have do you have any plans for you know five year plan ten year plans oh yeah of course i mean we just started working with our first rapper um this nice. rapper named hobson nice. who's really awesome so we're um you know we, we are always expanding and always um trying you know to keep the company growing and take you know taking on new genres and new artists so that we can have more publicists come in and work with us and um just keep growing i mean there doesn't i don't want to just stick to one thing um but it's fun to work with a new genre or a new artist like that because you get to push what you do make new relationships make get creative pitch in a new way reach out to new contacts and come up with new ways to tell their story to to people that you're now building a relationship with so that's exciting to me too and how do new artists do they find you or do you find them like how does that relationship start uh, nine ninety percent of it i will be honest is people coming to us um you know, based through our relationships. She's um, the queen of metal, man. Like, that's all I need. <laughs> I got it. If you want to be the like, one to tell them to shut the PR fuck up, company, we'll let this you do PR that. company, yeah, and they're like, the queen of metal. I'm like, do you guys dude. want me to do your dirty work and just tell them to shut the fuck up? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you should. You. I think I know that my sponsor right now. Turn it right down. Now. Turn it down. Inside voice. <laughs> oh, relief. How do you spell relief? Turning off his microphone. <laughs> Oh my god, but he can still sign language us. We can't escape. Sorry. Watch, I'll get a text, I'll get an email. <laughs> I spelled relief. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, at least you're a co you're comic relief, right? Yeah, that's true. It's usually fun. <laughs> usually. usually. Just not today. Not most times. Oh my gosh. Well, so what has this year been like for you, you know, in the age of not playing live shows and stuff? Has the PR world generally just kept going per usual or yes, have there been any changes yeah because bands are producing content it needs to sure. get out there you know yeah and when it comes back touring comes back it'll be crazy and i look forward to it but we've just had a pivot like everybody else yeah absolutely like this podcast <laughs> subscribe 2020-d.com and thank you sound talent media for hosting us because you guys are awesome oh, i love those guys 2020-d.com soundtalentmedia.com Press Cons that thing. Consummate promoter. Snap. Well, let me well, let me ask one more question on be before we run out of time. So speaking of the fact that we're all in Lost Symphony and we didn't get too much into it, but we're instrumental symphonic metal. So a, a question for you, I guess, from us is if you don't have vocals or lyrics, what would be a good way to craft a story that you can get out to people when your music is primarily instrumental? That's a challenging one for sure. But I think one thing I would say is look at other bands that have had a similar um, style that have this kind of music without vocals and lyrics and what stories have been written about them. And you look at that and see what what if, you, what, what if your guitar players are better than than everyone else's guitar players. Because all those metal bands, they always say that all the time. Right. <laughs> Don't they always go? But it's my, not always my, about that. You know, yeah. it's like but, but what it's, if it's, it is this case. <laughs> But, but better Ollie doesn't Herbert. necessarily mean that more people will listen or that they'll yeah. care. You know? That's very true. And it's just a matter of Fair. like finding out what makes you want to like to me, the interesting story there is, OK, why don't you have music and lyric um, lyrics and, and a singer? And what about the music advances it and advances the story? that way that that stuff without that stuff, how does it work? I think, well, that, I mean, that's it's, ver it's, that it's very simple. It's very simple. Like my brother and I are, are composers. I like that they can a borderline classical sense and we compose music. And I found these insane guitar players in Canada. And I was like, yeah, you want to make some music through the internet? And they're like, yeah, let's do that. And I, when they sent me music back, I was blown away. And I basically begged Jason Costa from All That Remains, like over some Jaeger, a lot of Jaeger shots and a lot of Crown Royal. And I think he wanted to kick my ass for dragging him out of the bar. The uh, the Irish Times, I want to say it was at that moment. Oh my God. Irish, uh, Irish pub. Irish pub. Irish you. Times is across the street I, from I, the I, Palladium. Beg, I begged him. <laughs> and once we had Jason and this guy Kelly and this guy Conrad play on this song, it was the archetype to send out to everybody. And I had sent it to like Jason Sukoff, who thought I was awesome. And Mark Lewis was like, this is really cool. And I sent it, I just started sending it to other people. And that's actually Jason showed it to Ollie Herbert and Ollie um, loves guitar playing so much that he, I didn't know who he was. Cause again, my heart closed when Dimebag left us. So I, when he came over to my studio, I was just like, who's this weird bearded dude that like showed up at my place. And he was just enamored with the guitar players that were already playing in our band. But he gave us the credibility that got us 
Uh, first off, our, our music is all symphonic because I always found myself, like when I listened to a song like November Rain, uh, fast forwarding to just the end part with just the guitar solo and all that. And I always thought the symphonic thing and the awesome guitar playing as opposed to just Joe Satriani noodling over four chords. The thing the Trans-Siberian Orchestra has, but without the religious connotations and all of that as strictly pieces. And I always thought what Ingve Malmsteen did with neoclassical was cool, but it's like a little too much. It's too much. So we wanted to do kind of what Starset did in the sense that we created an ambiance through the artwork that we have. And it's all, it's all music that could go along with cinema. So like every song has its arcs and dr drama. And we've, we, I wrote all the tunes with my brother, but we had these great players come in and add their thing. So Jeff Loomis or Marty Friedman or Nuno Betancourt or Alex Skolnick, all these like, mind-blowing, like, I can't even believe these guys are returning our calls. So that's what we're doing right now. And right, the third record that we're about to release, which we're hoping that is going to be the first one that people care about, um, is because it takes three records for people to even know you exist, um, is going to be a tribute to Ollie because he was unfairly taken from this earth way too fast. And True. we were still recording with him. And he was a really good friend of ours. So it's, uh, we always joked around like Bill and Ted, like, you know, how do you make a video if you don't have Eddie Van Halen? Well, you can't make a get Eddie Van Halen if you don't have a video and I and Ollie was the person that like actually helped us get the Marty Friedman get us David Ellison like Marty Friedman and David Ellison play together for Ollie it's the most mind-boggling thing and then to hear Alex Skolnick when Ollie and I and Angel Vivaldi used to sit there and talk about Testament non-stop the fact that this guy shows up and plays for him and that's what we're doing so that's that's really our angle is that we made this for ourselves because this is what we wanted to do i wanted to make trans-siberian orchestra that wasn't jesus-y that had unbelievable guitar players that are all <laughs> better than me yeah because like you know that's a little bit i want to be more open i want people to interpret it how they want sure you know so that's well, it that's that's the story <laughs> no, no. is it interesting was that a good story you just, bro you, you are you just she's waiting for the reaction you just no that's why i'm not giving it <laughs> yeah she hates it i'm like eh no, I'm just kidding. No, I don't blame you. you. Put, I'm, no, my mom's you been put, saying that for years. I know. She's kicking you out of your base, her basement yet. <laughs> well, this is her basement, oh. actually. I, you call no. me out. She's the first one to call me out. This is my mom's basement. She lives upstairs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyways, Guys. yeah. <laughs> this been, this Amy, Amy, did I offend you with my story no. about Lost Symphony? Yes, you did. It just, I, I wish it was Jesus-y. <laughs> you know, I just, it's, it's really the fact, the coolest thing was when Ollie said to me, this is the first time anyone's ever asked me to play 64 bars. And he considered himself a composer. And one thing that was really interesting was, you know, he was so great in All That Remains, but I, you know, All That Remains was a band that tried to adhere to making singles and writing, you know, normal songs that aren't like dream theater, you know what I mean? Right. And Ollie was a composer in the classical sense. And like, he had a, like a bust of Bach next to like his sheet music written out like this is true with like swords like that he was metal dude that was very and metal he was so metal and um you know he this was he said to me you know i sometimes people are gonna think this is i hate when people call me pussy or say i don't do this or do that and the one thing i said to him always because he was such an incredible player and Corey sat with me the whole time was when people hear this they're not ever gonna call anything you do pussy ever again wow it's true well, that's uh, though. That's I'm. That's the sentence. Yeah, we're not pussy. Or I don't know what is it? right. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the tagline would the be one? for that. Was, it, was that the one? We'll we'll tighten that one we up. Take two. Yeah, Corey, Corey will edit it yeah, as Ben sure. likes to say. More yes. work for Corey. Oh, uh, but Amy. this episode went from sixty-eight minutes to like forty-three minutes. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for joining us, though. I mean, oh, thanks for having. Me. this is oh really God, fun no thank you it was so fun talking to you <laughs> yeah. no you guys are a lot of fun even you <laughs> oh, Amy, can you man. please drop everything that we need to know about you your pr company all the links how we can follow you like honestly you're awesome and i'm telling you i, I gotta thank you from the bottom of my heart because you really it's the people like you that make the music world go round. like it's it's absolutely the truth it, it's it's so important 100%, yeah that everybody knows 
that like with a band like Slipknot, with a ba- with with all the bands that you've worked with, and the list is like daunting. I'm not gonna just sit here and name drop, but it's ridiculous. I was gonna say it, if you go to AdamSplitterPR.com and just look at the artist pretty list, it's, it's obnoxiously pretty, it's ridiculous. Congratulations, I, yeah. I'm Kill very, Switch Engage, like, yeah. like um, I. I'm very blessed, and I never take for granted that I work with the best bands in the world. <laughs> you really do. What so a PR answer that you? was. That's the truth, though. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm very lucky. I don't ever, ever, ever take it for granted. Where yeah. do we send our press kits? Do I still send you a tape? Do you, <laughs> you like? Can, do you prefer dats? Yeah, you can send. Yeah, you can send a VHS. That's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. I just want to say thank you so much, and we really appreciate. It. And will you come back and like school us more and let I me like banter to. at you? I would love to. The, what, what what did you call me? The Punisher? That's my yeah. new name, you right? Are, yes. You were too busy texting the, your man crush while she was telling Listen, you what you Nuno, are. Nuno stops okay. all, man. Look, I, yeah. I literally, like, I, if I'm getting it on and then it starts vibrating, I, I sometimes <laughs> wonder, is it him? Is, he, is he responding to something? Thank God Cindy's if, not downstairs. If, if I'm going to come back on the show, your phone has to be off. I can't be Deal. I can't be ignored for news. I'll give you fifteen <laughs> extra minutes. <laughs> okay, Corey. <laughs> thank All right, you so Amy, much. thank you so much. It was thank a pleasure you. talking to you. Thank 2020 you. 2020-D.com. Subscribe. Like and, and subscribe. check out Amy. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 14, featuring Adam Gilbert of Starset. Check it out. Everything's against us on that stage. So, Adam, Adam, the drummer always has kind of the best seat in the house as far as, like, seeing what's going on on stage. Are there any other, like, moments that you caught that maybe no one else noticed or anything like that? Did Dustin shit his pants? (laughs) He's ripped his pants plenty of times, and he he (laughs) invisibly poops them. It just smells, and you're like... (laughs) I got a mask on, lift it up, and... (laughs) Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.